ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Nightlife. News breakdown. Well, the Albanese government and the Greens are again wrangling over housing policy. The Greens are demanding... Uh, limits on tax discounts for property investors in exchange for their support for the government's help to buy housing scheme. Now, all this will be debated in Parliament this week. The government will need the support of the Greens and at least two crossbenchers for legislation to clear the upper house. That's the horse trading that goes on under the scheme. The government will cover up to 40% of a home's cost and become a co-owner of the home, with home buyers able to purchase with just a 2% deposit, and pay back the government's stake at a later date. Now, the Greens say, with income limits and property price caps affecting which buyers and properties are eligible, the scheme will help only 0.2% of eligible buyers each year and will only further push up house prices. This is the party's housing spokesperson, Max Chandler-Mather. Well, we're willing to negotiate, but what we've said to the government is their scheme will only help 0.2% of renters buy a home and actually make housing more expensive for the other 99.8%. We've said we'd like to negotiate with the government on three key areas. The first is phasing out the massive tax handouts for big property investors that make it harder for renters and first home buyers to buy a home, so negative gearing and the capital gains tax concession. We still want action on limiting rent increases, and we want to invest that saved money from phasing out those tax concessions Mm. in public housing. Taken together, that would actually be a proper response to the scale of the housing crisis, where where you have, you know, first home buyers and renters giving up on ever being able to buy a home because the government is giving property investors billions of dollars in tax concessions. Well, the Prime Minister was uh, not impressed. He described the Greens' decision to withhold support for the government's help to buy a scheme as juvenile and argues that increasing supply is critical to addressing housing sh- uh, challenges. The Greens political party, having held up funding for public housing last year, yeah. now want to hold up funding to support help to buy for renters to get into home ownership. That's what they say they will do. Mm. Yes, well, Claire, um, Claire Armstrong, the News Corp's national political editor, joins us this evening. Claire, good evening and uh, welcome back to Nightlife. Good evening. Great to be back. Well, great to have you with us too. Round two, the Greens are holding out on the Albanese government over housing. What's what's at stake here for the government and how important is this scheme to them anyway? Yeah, we've heard this story before. Last year it was the housing fund, the $10 billion for social and affordable housing that the Greens dragged out talks on for almost the entire year before. Labor ultimately put an extra $3 billion in to get them over the line. Now it's this help to buy scheme. So I don't think the PM will get his wish that the Greens will suddenly be capitulating because he's called them immature. I suspect Labor are going to have to put a lot more on the table for housing to get the Greens' support for this one. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the Greens have found a new uh, lease of life on this one, haven't they, on, on housing and rental renting in particular. Uh, and and given that they're never going to have to uh, be responsible for any schemes anyway, uh, they probably feel there is little value in or little benefit in them ever um, caving in on these things. 
Yes, well, we know there are a lot of renters concentrated in inner cities, capital mm. cities, and that is where the Greens have been picking up electro- uh, electorates over the last few elections. So they obviously think they found a formula that is reson- resonating with voters, but uh, it depends on <laughs> whether those voters change their mind as they, I guess, move into home ownership and, and maybe don't like the mm. Greens' advocacy as much. Yes, federal Labor's had changes in their negative gearing in its policy platforms in the past. They're not anymore. Hasn't been a vote winner. Uh, whether that will always be the case, I don't know. Is there scope now to perhaps blame the Greens and get some changes they actually desire through? Yeah, Adam Bant made me do it. I'm not sure if that's an excuse <laughs> that the uh, coalition would let uh, the PM get away with, but I think it's interesting that you have the government being attacked by both the coalition and the Greens using their change of stance on stage three for suggesting why Labor should now change its position on negative gearing. Coalition obviously warning that the PM can't be trusted on it and the Greens saying, well, you've done it once under changed economic circumstances, do it again. So a bit of a pincer movement coming mm. in the government. Mm. Yes. What's the, what do you reckon the opposition actually gonna, is actually sitting on this or do you think they, they're sniffing the wind and seeing how it goes? Yeah, look, I think the opposition are just, well, they've obviously already said they don't support help to buy. They don't think the equity scheme is the way to go. And I think they're just trying to muddy the waters as much as possible. Um, it's obviously a tactic now politically to suggest that the PM's word is not necessarily his bond, as he claimed. And therefore, some of these tax concessions that obviously many people attribute Bill Shorten's election loss to could be reheated under this new mind-changing version of, of the PM. Mm. Yep. All right. Uh, it's a huge issue, housing, and uh, the way forward, not entirely clear, I think, uh, but all, almost always forward and difficult, hard, and governments don't seem to be, <laughs> yes. seem to be up for it. Um, on another matter, the Richardson report, the Home Affairs Minister, Claire O'Neill, has seized on the findings of this independent review into regional processing contracts that were signed by her department by government's predecessors claiming they're extremely concerning. She claims the inquiry, which is conducted by the, well, was conducted by the former head of the Defence Department, uh, as well as the former Director General of Security, Dennis Richardson, shows that the now opposition leader, Peter Dutton, oversaw an, over, an offshore processing regime being used as a slush fund by suspected criminals when he was the responsible minister. Now, the report describes how contractors suspected of drug smuggling and weapons trafficking were handed multi-million dollar contracts due to a lack of due diligence in the administration of Australia's offshore detention regime. This is Claire O'Neill. On Peter Dutton's watch, potentially hundreds of millions of dollars was funnelled into alleged criminal wrongdoing. And he's got to come forward today and explain what he knew and when and why he doesn't seem to have asked a single question about this in the almost decade the Coalition were in power. Claire, how much of a thorn in the side is this for Peter Dutton? I mean, this report's not good. I mean, it certainly indicates a pretty slack uh, system of oversight in the department. Is it, is, it, uh, is it going to impact on him, do you think? Well, I mean, Labor are certainly not going to let the issue go. It's obviously quite um, uh, 
a serious series of findings mm. and allegations about how the contracts were administered, you know, almost regardless of who's, who was in power, but obviously helps that the current leader of the opposition was the minister in charge of that portfolio at the time. But the report did find there was no intent of, of criminality, that the minister was not directly involved, as you would actually expect, in the awarding of contracts. It would actually be quite bad if a minister was pulling springs in a, in a contract situation like that. So so there's no suggestion that there was an overt involvement from uh, Mr Dutton in any way. Obviously, what Claire O'Neill is pushing, as we heard there, is this idea that he should have been more curious and, and asked questions. I suppose the point that the coalition might make is that you obviously don't necessarily know if someone is doing criminal wrong, uh, criminal activity elsewhere in their operation or if they're under investigation because those things are often not uh, made readily available to the public. Mm. Dennis Richardson also says in his report, however, that despite the damning findings, the Australian government, quote, may have had no option but to enter into contracts with these companies due to the uh, high-risk environments of offshore processing. What's the, lo- what's the logic? What's the logic here? I think it really comes down to these offshore processing um, facilities being in uh, pretty remote, hard-to-reach places that not a lot of companies have experience operating in, are willing to operate in, and when you're putting out a contract for tender and there's only a certain (laughs) small number of companies in that field, in that area operating, your choices are somewhat limited. Yeah, not very satisfactory, I would have thought, if you're a, a taxpayer thinking, uh, I care yeah, about how our money is spent. Uh, I'm, with, I'm with Claire Armstrong. Claire's the, Nas- the News Corp's national political editor. This is uh, Nightlife News Breakdown. The revelation that seven of the 149 people released from immigration detention were convicted of murder or attempted murders reignited the issue of the government's handling of this uh, high court case, the NZYQ case, the... Home Affairs Department's revealed that 24 of the people released as a result of the High Court's ruling have already been have already been charged for visa condition breaches or state offences, and 36 of them are not required to wear ankle bracelets. Now, the opposition leader Peter Dutton claims they were released by a weak Prime Minister and his government. Andrew Giles is defending the position. He says he's the Immigration Minister. He's defending a decision not to fit the, the bracelets and says all decisions are made by the Community Protection Board, which is made up of government officials, so it's their fault. One of the things that we have done to ensure that the community have uh, been protected or will continue to be protected is to set up the Community Protection Board, a body composed, amongst others, of highly respected Order. law enforcement officers. Yeah, this is... This is pretty embarrassing for the government, isn't it? I mean, the figures on these people, uh, I know people are released from jail every day, but the lack of preparation for this, uh, for the entry of these people back into the community when they're both, you know, they're both guilty of and have continued to offend in some cases is concerning, yeah. isn't it? There's many layers of issues around this one and it's, uh, I think, a problem that the government was hoping they'd left behind in last year when the Mm. court decision obviously prompted the release of these people, but that's not the case because, yes, we now have these revelations about the kinds of offences that these uh, former immigration detainees were originally obviously detained for, but we've also had the revelation today that the government is yet to make a single application under preventative detention orders 
lawyers. This is the laws they rushed through at the end of last year to try and put some of the worst offenders back behind bars. They haven't actually applied to do that to a single individual yet. So we we find out on the same day that the nature of some of the criminal histories of these people, the fact that many of them have reoffended since being released in yeah. November, and that the government hasn't yet applied to the courts to have any of them redetained. No, no, it it ain't satisfactory. Uh, many might uh, might judge. Speaking of not satisfactory, there's Barnaby Joyce and <laughs> more Barnaby Joyce. Nationals MP Barnaby Joyce is in the news again for the wrong reasons after pictures emerged of him lying on a street in Canberra, phone in hand, uh, after a late night at Parliament last week. When I say lying on a street, he was lying on the footpath. He has admitted he was drinking while using a prescription medication and says, uh, obviously, a big mistake. I'm not looking for sympathy and I'm not looking for an excuse. I'll just stand by that. What What I said is what I said. I came back. Um, I sat on a planter box, I fell off, and I was videotaped. There you go. That's, what else can you say? Well, I suppose you could say a few, some other things. National Party leader David Littleproud was commenting today, suggesting that his colleague, quote, needed support. This isn't normal behaviour and behaviour that even he uh, expects and accepts. Uh, it's, but there are extenuating circumstances, some of which he's made public, some he hasn't, and I, and I need to respect that. I need to respect the position that he's in and making sure that we give him the support that he needs. The Prime Minister did point out what the reaction might be if it were a government politician involved. People will certainly make their own judgments on that. Uh, people will see that footage. They will look for a, an explanation uh, that is, uh, has some credibility and they'll look for leadership from the leader of the Liberal Party and the leader of the National Party about this. I think people will also think to themselves, what would the response be if that was a minister in my government uh, being, uh, being seen uh, to be behaving in that way? Uh, I think that there just needs to be an explanation of what occurred and we need to see uh, the response of the Liberal Party and the National Party leaders. People will make their own judgment on it. Well, Barnaby says it was a mixture of prescription drugs and drinking. Uh, Claire, the coalition discussed the matter today. Uh, I mean, I was reflecting today. I don't know whether you agree with it. I'm just trying to remember the last time a politician was marked down for uh, inappropriate behaviour with alcohol. It doesn't seem to be a matter that the public generally are prepared to mark politicians yes, down for. I might seems... be wrong. I might be wrong about this. <laughs> Well, I think there's a bit of there's the sort of two camps on this issue. There's, you know, the you know who am I hasn't you know cast the first stone yeah. kind of camp, and then there's perhaps a, a, a not insignificant growing chorus of people who have stopped and thought, you know what, you do sort of take on extra expectations as an elected official, particularly one that's formerly been a, a leader of a party and probably has leadership aspirations again, and that perhaps the the time has come to ask just a little bit more of our politicians, even if we feel like this humanises them. Well, Claire, yes, uh, Claire, celebrated. agreed, agreed. <laughs> the, ta- the time has come <laughs> since time immemorial to demand more of our politicians. I agree, <laughs> I agree with that. Applied it, to all <laughs> subjects. <laughs> is the subtext here, as you've pointed out, that, uh, as we know, there are perpetual leadership tensions inside the Nats 
because Barnaby wants his old job back, that is leader of the Nationals. And uh, this this behaviour goes to whether or not that's ever likely to happen now. Yes, and, you know, detractors of the current leader, David Littleproud, who we heard there, um, were scurrying about suggesting that it was a bit unfair that the whole issue's been reheated, you know, last week's news is is still this week's news Mm. and that there might be some ulterior motives there. But I do think that it wouldn't have really mattered who was, uh, whether David came out and talked about it again today, there is this lingering issue that because it only takes two or three people in the Nationals Party changing their minds for there to be a leadership spill that given that we should examine the actions of perhaps the person waiting in the wings a little more closely. Yes, colourful behaviour and Barnaby Joyce, those kind of go together. So I suspect it may, it may not be the last we see. But then again, I might be wrong. He might, he might decide to change his ways. Claire, always great to speak and uh, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.